I was talking to Brian over at Nice Price about some new podcast bump intro music. Our our own like rights free. Yeah. I mean, he would make it. Obviously, we would pay him. And he sent me something back. And I like the drum. I like the drum pattern to it, but it almost was a little too ominous, right? It was a little like too dark. And I said, can you give me a little more Michael McDonald? You know, Ooh. something something where that would cause Jillio to start singing like Michael McDonald. He goes, he's just like, okay. So we'll see. We'll see what Brian cooks up in the future. In the meantime, we'll just keep going with bootlegged old news intros. So let's make this happen. OG. 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 Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obvious inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. I truly appreciate Drew and the crew at Copiers Plus. We cannot do (laughs) what we do without the financial support of Copiers Plus and even the the structural support, you know, giving us Kyocera printers so we can run this LLC. However, there is a... You now have... It's like you're a kid with a new toy, Joe. This is a problem. This is a problem. You came into the studio today all excited, all giddy. It's like, you want to see what I printed out today? I'm like, oh, no. No, I asked a very important question. Was it, Are you sure it was a good idea? No. I'm having <laughs> regrets. To give me access to the Kyocera. Hey, at least I have a PIN number. We can track who, yeah. who's, who's, who's in charge of what. Yeah. Save your uh, business some costs yourself. Go to copiers-plus.com. What'd you print out? I printed out, I mean, it was just an innocent type tweet from our friend Nada. So I know I just saw his tweet. I just, he saw my tweet like, hey, I get it. Like Kansas as principal shouldn't be a home dog, but you have to look at Houston's metrics. Like mm-hmm. Houston defensively is the best team in the country. And I was like, okay, cool. But this feels like, uh, as we've talked about in football season, this feels like, hey, no, really, fuck you. We're still Clemson. <laughs> like, no, we're, we're still Kansas. <laughs> this is still the Big 12. You know, this is still a conference that they had won for, you know, 15 years in a row. And then sure enough, they came out and they, they just put it on Houston on Saturday. So I do believe that is from the middle of the first half when not, I was like, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of grudgingly, just, you know, it was just kind of like, an, oh, oh, okay. Speaking of the, you know, F you, uh, I'm still whatever. I mean, that was Armando Baycott after they beat Duke Saturday over the weekend. Yeah, and a hell of a game too. ACC runs through me. You know, you go up against big men. I'm going to dominate you. You're too small on Kyle Filipowski and everything else. That was not the case last night in Chapel Hill, where Clemson was the desperate team that really needed another signature win, doing it on the road at UNC, the top dog in the conference, uh, a, a contender, a title contender. That could really help them out. And sure enough, desperate team goes in there. Their lights out to start the game. So now you can add a UNC win to their wins against Alabama, TCU. South Carolina continues to look better and better. South Carolina won last night too. Tournament team. So all these things are trending upwards for the ACC. Look at Virginia doing the thing again. Look at Clemson getting a key win. Uh, This is important. My Deeks. You left out my Deeks. Your Deacons. We went down to Atlanta and somehow survive the gauntlet of McCamish Pavilion. So from a from a league perspective, 
Last night was a good night yeah. for the league. But UNC fans do not care about the league. They care about their Tar Heels. And last night was, I don't want to say last night was predictable. Okay. Last night was a, how are you going to respond after the big Duke win? You could see it going one of two ways. Either they're going to continue to put the hammer down and make the conference theirs, or they're going to experience the hangover. And while their hangover wasn't as bad as your hanger hangover last week, because remember, they're younger. They can overcome oh, hangovers yeah. a lot quicker than us old. They right? bounce quickly. It clearly was a Duke hangover. And Armando Baycott after the game uh, pretty much explained it in plain details about how Clump, you know, how Clemson came in as a desperate team and they really just had bad practices and even showed up late for the shoot around ahead of this game. Was the hunger level different for them? For sure. Uh, they were definitely a more hungry team. They played harder. They got all the loose balls. They're more physical, tougher, smarter. You said you saw the Georgia Tech loss kind of coming, and it sounds like you saw this one coming too. So when you feel that, what can you do or what can the team do when almost like you feel it's there on the horizon? Yeah, well, we started off practice bad in the first half of practice on uh, Tuesday, and we responded. We made an adjustment that second half of Monday, and they had a good practice going like the rest of the practice, but going into the day, not getting out there on time for warm-ups and things like that. I mean, it's no way we could have predicted it, but I'll say we won't make that mistake again. Again, that was Armando Baycott after the game. Shout out to our guy, Rod Baxley, who had put that out yeah. on social media. Um, you know what this was for Carolina? And, you know, this is where we have to take a step back and give credit to Hubert Davis for what he's done in getting them to this point in the year at 18, at 18 and 5. Mm-hmm. The team that played last night was last year's team. You had Baycott, who was good, 24 points, 13 rebounds. You had one of the guards, RJ Davis, was good. He's been okay. I mean, but he was fine. He was I mean, fine. I, I, I get it. He yeah, took 22 shots, but he still scored yeah. 22 points. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you had two guys going and the rest of the roster. Yeah. No Seth Tremble in the game last night. The rest, you know, Cadeau at the end of this game, he got benched, I believe, because of a defensive missed assignment or, mm-hmm. or they pinned a late, a, they, they pin the coaching staff pinned a late defensive bust on Cadeau, mm-hmm. benched him way too much Paxton Wojcik in this game. But as Roy Williams would like to tell you, the time to teach a player like Elliot Cadeau is on a Tuesday night in February. So that in March, when the lights are bright, he is now not making that same mistake. Yeah. So totally understood what Hubert Davis was trying to do there. But you look at the, this was a, this was a 23 performance from, from Carolina. Mm-hmm. You had Baycott, you had one of the guards and the rest of it, you're going, well, where is everybody else? Oh, it's funny too, but the script was almost there. So let, for let's him. not throw it all away here because, no, well, because they had a bad game against nah, not nah, even nah, a bad nah. game. Right. I mean, they, they struggled. They, they got it to 70. They got it to 70. They, right. they tied it at 70 apiece. And I, I jokingly tweeted out like, man, the UNC scriptwriters really outdid themselves because Harrison Ingram had gone out with, I, I think it was cramps. I think that was the official thing. Came down funny. His leg cramped up. Who knows, yeah. you know, what they had to do to get him back out on the court. Right. Um, Cormac Ryan, 0 for 6 from 3. He I mean, needs to heat up. But Harrison Ingram comes back into the game and immediately hits a 3. And I think that's the point where it got tied up 70 apiece. But then, just like they started the game flat, they ended the game with poor execution. I think it was a Jalen Washington, just yeah. errant pass that was unnecessary. Oh. Like, like, they went five or six straight empty possessions to close out the game. Um, I think it... 
you start, you bookend it like that, you're going to lose the game no matter how much you might have fought yourself back into it, right? But to your point, yeah, man, look, they weren't going to go undefeated in conference play. You're going to have nights like last night. And last night's one of those classic coaching teachable lessons, right? So here is Hubert Davis after the game, essentially backing up with our, what Armando Baycott talked about post game related to the lack of effort, the lack of commitment, the lack of wanting to show up and do the work that ultimately bit him in the ass against Clemson. I didn't particularly enjoy or like, um, you know, our practices leading up uh, to, um, uh, to the game tonight. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's the thing that I, that I told them in the huddle um, the first time out in the, at the beginning of the game that, you know, it's just not about X's and O's. There's nothing from a basketball standpoint we can talk about until um, the energy and the, and, and the effort and the enthusiasm rises. And if that would rise and things would change, and then we could start talking about basketball. And so um, in order to win a game like this, um, just didn't play well enough. And you really have to compliment Clemson and, and, and the way that they played. And they're a really good basketball team and ex- extremely well coached. And they were, they were deserving of winning tonight. So that was Hubert Davis after the game. And I had jotted this down last night that we didn't really learn anything new about North Carolina. If anything, it actually crystallized some things we already knew about North Carolina. I've seen it in the YouTube comments. I'll see it in our social media mentions. We've gotten a couple emails where people have been like banging the table. This is an elite UNC team. This is an elite UNC team. Well, careful, careful on how you throw the word elite out there. They're a good North Carolina team that when they do what Hubert Davis asks them to do is a title contender, but you have to work your ass off to put yourself in that position. And that's been the revelation about this team, which is so different from last year's team and why North Carolina fans truly have gotten behind this squad. They work their ass off They're They can't out talent people. And this is almost becoming this recurring theme about rosters, right? And how people bristled over the fact that, like, what do you mean you wouldn't take this roster? Well, they're a team that all knows their roles. And that's a credit to Hubert Davis. And when they're all locked in doing what they asked them to do, you've seen the results. They've been rewarded with the results. But when you come into it thinking you can just turn it on and we're going to take out Clemson, a team that's only won here once in however many tries it was, which, hey, man, I've seen it twice now. Who knew? Who knew that I would, I would have seen all the Clemson victories in Chapel Hill? When you do that, you, you show, you kind of crystallize the things that we've been talking about. There is no monster in college basketball. That's your favorite phrase. There's no monster in college basketball. So how do you position yourself to win when there's no monster? You do the work. They learned their lesson last night. I'll put this on the yellow pad if if the heels would like. Let's okay. crystallize it for them. Okay. Because sometimes math is your friend. <laughs> when North Carolina gives up 80 points or more, their record this year is two and four. Two and four. Mm-hmm. When they hold their opponents to 80 points or fewer, uh, to under 80 points, 16 and one. So sometimes it's that simple, man. I mean, sometimes it's that simple. I mean, again, I could put it on the sheet for you. <laughs> 16 and one. When basically what I'm saying is when you defend the way that they have, and they've been excellent. Yes, they have. They win. Mm-hmm. The one loss was Georgia Tech. Uh, again, a game that was decided by 
one player hitting a circus shot mm-hmm. and the other one not. You yeah, know what I mean? I, I'm, glad like, you, I'm glad you brought up the Georgia Tech game because like, so, some folks brought up the Georgia Tech game. I, and I that, didn't think that was some sort of clunker. No, no. See, like, yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me because I saw a little bit of that last night in that, hey man, this, this Carolina team uh, got caught by a trap game ahead of the Duke game and then the Duke win cost them this game. I'll give you the Duke win cost them this game. If you if you buy into the hangover effect, I, I'll give you sure. that. We saw the element of that. I don't buy the Georgia Tech trap game no, thing. I don't. I, I'll hit you though with what some people love to tell us. Like, why don't you ever give the other team credit? I want. Yeah, we just no, did. No, 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 I'm talking about. I'm talking about Clemson. <laughs> yeah, we I'm just talking about Clemson. Clemson credit. What I'm saying is, you used the word desperate. And yeah, it was right. Yeah, and now I have to laugh because I I advanced a theory presented to me by Josh Goodson mm-hmm. that Clemson basketball just might be. NC State football. It's a very good analogy. Right? It's like, a very good analogy. It just might never come home for them. Yeah. But what is the one thing NC State football is capable of doing? Ah. Beating Carolina. Yeah. So maybe they really are NC State football. <laughs> That's a little bit of a stretch because maybe they just needed to get the one win out of their way. In Chapel Hill. <laughs> they needed this one. They were desperate. Which, I, lo- I love the way that they played. You know, yeah. Harrison Ingram, you mentioned the, the the cramps. He was obviously not on his game last night. No. Shefflin was. P.J. Hall was. This yeah. Baycott, you know, kind of went. They held serve with each other. Hall and Baycott. I love watching P.J. Hall play. And, and then you have the, the push there. And then I thought the, the play where Cadeau got lost was the Gerard three. Mm-hmm. That was the dagger late. And that's the thing for Clemson. All of these years that's been missing. Right. It's just what can they have one guy who can stroke? Mm-hmm. Like if we sat here, we could come up with like eight great shooters at Carolina. We can come up with like eight great shooters at Duke. Heck, we can come up with like five great shooters at state. Like if I made you sit there and 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 your your kids' lives dependent on it, could you come up with one good three-point shooter in the history of Clemson basketball? You'd be like, Iker a turbe. You're like, I don't know. Shout out to my guy Terrence Oglesby. T.O., there you go. You, came up, you just saved your kids' lives. <laughs> you found one. I should, I should text him. You want to come on the show? I just shouted you out. Um, one other note before we get to housekeeping. So I, I joked about, hey, man, I've, I've witnessed every Clemson win in Chapel Hill. All two of them. As one listener, sixty. As one listener joked, if I had a nickel for every time <laughs> Clemson wins in Chapel Hill, I'd have two nickels. <laughs> Do you know the one player in UNC history that has lost to Clemson twice at home. I mean, it's got to be Baycott. It's right? Baycott. He's like the only dude left. The only dude left on the court last night. So hell of a distinction. Hell of a distinction for Baycott. Housekeeping. Couple housekeeping notes before we get to some ACC bracketology. Big thanks to Enovana for sponsoring housekeeping. Check them out online. E-N-O-V-A-N-A.com. Yeah, it does have a jingle to do it. Do I hear Rand or do I hear Gwyneth? Uh, I don't know, Gwen man. Stefani. I think there's something to there. I Gwyneth think, Stefani. I, I think, well, what am I doing? I think there's something. I think there's something there. We're gonna have to workshop that. Uh, Inovana came out to the house yesterday. They're coming out to the house every couple of weeks. Now, full disclosure, I've used other cleaning services in the past. Right off the bat, key difference with Inovana: ask questions. They asked like, "Hey, um, is this something that you handle? Do you want us to handle this? Is this cool? That's awesome because every house is different." There are certain things that you really are like careful with. They want to know. And that's great with Enovana. And may I suggest, may I suggest, what's better than anything else on Valentine's Day? A clean house that you didn't have to do. There's all sorts of cliches on Valentine's Day. Get out of the cliches. 
and get a clean house. You can do one-time cleaning. You can schedule cleaning. It's all great. Enovana.com. Check them out. E-N-O-V-A-N-A. Podcast alert. We have sunsetted Young Gun. Young Gun is no more because Bryce Young is no longer a rookie. There's no reason to chronicle his rookie season anymore. So what are we going to do with the Panthers? Well, we're now going to chronicle how that team is killing us. So Young Gun has been rebranded to This Team is Killing Us, hosted by Lauren Brownlow and Dimitri Ravano. So you don't have to change your feed. You don't have to change anything. There's a new episode that dropped yesterday. Speaking of new episodes, a new Law of the Wolf, which is more personal Law of the Wolf yeah. with the play for K yesterday or from two days ago. Yeah, it was such a great event. Uh, as I said in the podcast, uh, people think I'm very critical of NC State, <laughs> which is accurate. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, but I do fear. I do think it's fair when when a school or an entity does something right mm-hmm. that you are you praise them for the things that they do right. And obviously, the play for K uh, games are it's it's the best thing going. Big thanks to Longleaf Swine for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. They jumped on last week and you still have time to order your big game menu. So tomorrow, that would be Thursday, if you're listening, because I know people don't listen to the podcast the day it drops. They usually sometimes catch up. All good. So Thursday is your last day to order from their Super Bowl menu. Pickups are from four to six on Sunday. They've got awesome stuff like Sausage dip. They have the sausage dip. Smoked fish dip. Smoked onion dip. Oyster crackers to go along with that. The pimento cheese, which they have on the menu all the time, is absolutely fantastic. And you have your mains, the smoked whole chicken wing set, which I've had their chicken. And like you get the whole wing. It's not broken up. Right. You don't get your little drums. You don't get your flats. It's the whole wing. And the brisket. And they're fantastic. Brisket, spare ribs, sides like pimento mac and cheese. And of course, the slaw. So again, last day to order this for the big game is on Thursday. Big thanks to Longleaf Swine yeah, go to for Long, jumping on. Yeah, go to longleafswine.com to order. And then you could pick up on Sunday uh, between four and six. Now, I, I know I, I, made a, I made a little bit of a joke about the ACC and bracketology and like it was a good night. Although you were joking, it might not be a good night for <laughs> NC State. We'll, go, we'll talk to Patrick about that yeah. in a second. But should we talk to Matt Davis about bubble insurance? Yeah, I mean, if you're an NC State fan and you... <laughs> <laughs> you do this to yourself every year. I mean, you definitely want a little bit of peace of mind. The best thing to do is give him a call. 919-779-8277. You actually talk to a real person and save yourself some money on all of your insurance needs. Or of course, you could go to the insurance, the All right, let's let's talk about that ACC bracketology. Patrick Stevens, Washington Post. He is our official OG bracketology maven. He's also the king of the bobbleheads. Before we get into whether or not last night was a good night for the ACC, what do you got, Patrick? Show, show us a new bobblehead. All right, so this one is one that I think with the sponsor combination uh-huh. makes it work, okay? okay? We've got Patrick Henry presented by Bojangles. <laughs> Give me bow time or give me death. I was going to say, what is what's the tie-in of Patrick Henry? Where'd you uh, get that? It was given away at a by the minor league team in Richmond. Okay. So there's Virginia. Yeah, and then I guess the Bojangles was the sponsor. 
right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So let's uh, let's start with Clemson. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. North Carolina's in. We get that. But in order for other ACC teams to position themselves on the right side of the bubble, well, they're going to have to get over on the best team of the ACC, especially on the road, which is what Clemson did last night. So they got wins over UNC, Alabama, TCU, South Carolina continues to look good and you know better. Uh, they won last night. So Clemson, Clemson, fine. I know there was you know their ACC record's not great, but they've done some work. Yeah, I think I think Clemson remains the the third has the third best profile in the league still, uh, regardless of conference play to this point. I was saying to somebody last night when they were asking, well, what Clemson's down at the bottom of the league or whatever, right? It's like, well, at this point in the season, half of your profile has been built by non-conference play. Like that counts. It's that counts still 50% or so at this stage. And so uh, you know, you look at Clemson and like you mentioned, all those games that they've won, you throw in a Boise State that they won at home. That's a, that's a useful victory, too. Uh, I, I think Clemson's in really good shape and beating Carolina is the sort of thing that, you know, is going to hold up. And to kind of sig into where, where I think we're going to go next, mm. like that also helps drag Virginia along a little bit, too, because Virginia just won down at Little John over the weekend. Yeah, help me out with Virginia because when we talked last week, I don't think you had them in and you were like, well, and I'm sitting here going, yeah, but they're going to go like correct in five or mm-hmm. <laughs> at worst 14 and six. And you're like, yeah, well, if that happens mm-hmm. again, reminding people that this is a snapshot of today, mm-hmm. not a projection of what's going to happen. Uh, but am I, am I overestimating what Virginia did out of the league, Patrick? I, I don't know. I, I, I think that you look at what they did. They beat Florida on a neutral court, and that's a game that has gotten more valuable here yeah. over the last week or so since I think it was Kentucky that Florida picked Florida off. Just beat Kentucky, yes. And, uh, you know, the Texas A&M win is, is fine. There's not much else there on that, on that non-conference profile. I mean, what the next best win, I think, is West Virginia out, out of conference. So uh, it, it's not as if they did a ton of great work, but they also didn't do anything bad. And so when you look at Virginia's profile, like you said, you know, just start stacking wins up, which they, they keep on doing, uh, did the other night and keeping Miami to its fewest points since 1948, uh, you know, which is just a Virginia kind of a Virginia thing to do. And all of a sudden you look up yeah. and they're 18 and five. Yeah. And it's not hard to imagine, you know, that they get into the barn in regular season play at what, 15 and five or 14 and six. And at that point, safely in the field. I mean, I think right now, uh, the victory at Clemson and, and to a lesser extent, the victory over Miami are both useful. And, you know, Virginia's best opportunities are still in front of it since they haven't even seen Carolina or Duke. Uh, and the more of these, you know, middle of the pack ACC wins or even games like the one at Clemson that they stack up, the, the less pressure there's going to be on them uh, to pick off a Duke or a Carolina. Uh, but those would obviously do a world of good for them as well in terms of seating. How about my Demon Deacons? Your Demon Deacons, and this is, they they have uh, they have played the net game brilliantly here over the last week. I was going to say, can I get some style points from my Deeks and the, Steve this, Forbes? The Demon Deacons have gone by beat by by clubbing Syracuse and Georgia Tech. They have gone from fiftieth to forty first to thirty second in the net. That's ridiculous. So is is it that <laughs> is it that simple? I mean, yes, like, it really it really is. Because we talked about this with the Big Twelve, right? Like the Big Twelve really did themselves a lot of favors in the non-conference by smashing teams. By smashing yeah. teams, like and it, it, you can sit there and go, but there's no strength. There's no uh, 
uh, margin of victory. Well, it's built in. It's baked in with all the efficiency stuff. Like if you go and you beat Georgia Tech by 30, you've obviously outplayed somebody by, you know, roughly 0.4, 0.45 points per possession over the course of a game. Hmm. So that that's sense. sort of what they just did. And huh. so you look at wait, the the profile is basically, okay, they haven't really beaten anybody great uh, away from home, certainly. I mean, they have a couple mm-hmm. decent wins. They have another uh, Florida. Home. You look at the Virginia win. They beat Florida at home. You know, Virginia Tech, the one at Boston College, beat Miami at home. Uh, but if they just keep if they just keep blasting people, it's probably not going to matter that much. Uh, I, I think that for Wake, they could very easily end up as a as a quantity team, a quantity over quality team that you just simply can't ignore. Uh, I would have them in the field right now, barely, but I would have them in the field right now. Uh, and you know, obviously, a big one for them for them and NC State coming up. But also, they've still got two Dukes uh, still to play. So say, they, they actually get two Duke. No more looks at Carolina, though, unfortunately for me. Yeah. I hope they do see them in D.C., though. That'd be nice. That'd be fun. I am looking forward to that. Fair enough. All right. If we can understand that it's a snapshot and the other team's net is what matters more than your net, uh, how does that affect NC State going forward? You know, NC State's in a funny spot where they've beaten the teams they should beat. They're just really clamoring for one of the like like Clemson last night. Like they need something like that in league play to help them out. Yeah. At the end of the day for NC State, the best thing about their profile remains they've done nothing bad. The worst thing about their profile remains they really haven't done anything that's going to help them all that much. The 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 victories over Virginia and Wake Forest at home are helpful. They just need something a little further up the board. And, and those opportunities basically are Carolina, Duke, and at Wake and at Clemson. And so I think that the week that they're going to have, the eight days they're going to have coming up at Wake and then the following Saturday at Clemson, both really, really useful opportunities for NC State. Uh, if you don't get one of those, you're basically backed into doing something in that three-day stretch in early March or making a run in D.C. Patrick Stevens, Washington Post. He is our OG bracketology man. And we're going to see you in D.C. I'm very excited about this. I, actually, I'm looking I, forward I, to I finally booked the media hotel and I made I made sure. I, I hope we, you and I might be stuck on a king bed, Joe. I don't know. We'll Ooh. see what happens. Well, you know I love a floor. That's true. You do. You will sleep on a floor <laughs> because of your neck and your back. <laughs> So uh, are there any cat cafes in D.C., Patrick? I'm, I'm sure there are. Oh, we're, we're totally going to do a, a, a we're, we're totally going to do a bracketology show from a cat cafe. All right. Well, I'll me. have to do a little bit of uh, do of, some research, uh, research on that to see if there's anything in that area. Can I'll bring the weed since it's legal. Yeah. And, and you guys can chill out in the cat cafe and my eyes will just say, <laughs> bring. Yes. Yeah, not, not only bring the weed, bring the allergy medicine. Will the weed do that? Uh, I don't know. Get your, that might make your eyes worse. All right, Patrick, we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks so much guys. Big thanks to Whitaker and Hamer for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out online, wh.lawyer, attorneys and counselors at law. Oftentimes we talk about mundane signing a bunch of, a bunch of document tasks, right? Like closing a house, right? Contracts, wills, et cetera. But they can also help you out with 
uh, traffic tickets. And I'm worried because we talked about going up to D.C. Are we roadie? Are we doing a roadie up to D.C.? Potentially. And are you driving? No, we need to because we don't need to pay for parking for for double for two different cars. So you want to be effective. You want to go in one car. Who's driving? I was considering a train if we are going to stay. Okay. No, we're, we could, we're staying we at the media hotel. Fly. Uh, and that's probably. Oh, no, we have. And we have all this equipment. I'm not, I'm not taking this stuff through TSA. <laughs> Hell no. Okay. So no. So train. I think the train has Let's potential. Drive. I'll drive. Well, you like your new car. Yeah. Yeah. Can you fit in the Civic? We can't fit all our stuff in the Civic, can we? Yeah, we can. How much stuff do you think I have? I don't know. I don't know. Look, look, quick story. Quick story. <laughs> the reason why I brought this up with Whitaker and Hamer is that if we get a traffic violation, I'm sure they can help us out. Correct. They've is, done it before. Which is why I think I should drive so we don't have to. But anyway, better start knocking on something. <laughs> Final four, Dallas. Shannon Penn. Dallas. Now with the ESPN radio. Oh, Jerry's world. Okay. Yeah. Shannon Penn. ESPN radio was our producer at the time. Shannon brought a suitcase that you could have fit in that dude. We get to the hotel because somehow we got upgraded to a conference room room. It was the strangest thing. We had this gigantic corner room in the media hotel that had its own <laughs> conference room to it. So that dude, the I minute slept we, in the conference, room. probably would have. the minute we got there, he gets, and he starts to iron all of his clothes. Like I'm shoving everything into one carry on. Man's got to live by a This coach, man yeah. had a huge bag. I think he had two outfits a day. Respect, nothing but respect to Shannon Penn. And nothing, speaking of outfits, maybe I just need to have multiple outfits all day. Thanks to Homefield. Check them out. Homefieldapparel.com. OG23 is the promo code. You can save 15% off your order. Homefield just dropped new stuff from Carolina, Duke, and NC State. Some big four champion merch. They got uh, NC State women's 1998 shirt. That's pretty fire. All great stuff at homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code OG23. Next topic, please. While I was in Chapel Hill, you were at PNC Arena for the Carolina Hurricanes and Vancouver Canucks. The return of Jim Rutherford, the return of Elias Lindholm. And if Carolina and their Duke hangover was predictable, it looks like the first game coming out of the All-Star break a little bit predictable for the Hurricanes on top of the fact that Elias Lindholm was back in the building and stuck it to the Canes with two goals. Yeah, you you keep saying this was predictable, but I, the Canes have been a bad first period team this year. I they don't have. know why. They have. They're also now 15 and 10 at home. Um, that's not great. That's not great. No. Rob Brindamore after the game was asked about that post-All-Star break slowness. But to your point, this has been a consistency for them in the first period. That was what I was afraid might happen. We were terrible to start. And then our, you know, they were good. They were, you know, we got lucky to get out of that first period with, uh, I think it was even. And then we got a little better. I could tell I knew we were going to get to it. And then, you know, probably deserved better in the third. I mean, that was pretty good third period. Just didn't happen. I mean, if you'd have went in there this game and said you'd give up one, even strength goal against these guys on a bad balance, you'd be like, okay, it's probably pretty good. But, you know, they did a nice job just floating a couple in on the power play. We got the bounces there tonight, and they didn't go our way. That was Rod Brindamore after the game. Yeah, third period, classic Canes, 30 to four shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, but special teams, big in this one, both ways. And But you look at it and you go, um, sometimes we got to use Occam's razor, right? 
Elias Lindholm is a guy who, if you don't remember, was in the lost years, was one of the young, as Hayes Permar, you know, famously saying about with uh, thank you, Svetch. Mm-hmm. You know, Lindholm was one of the shiny objects at one point. And he ends up being traded in, in, a, in a blockbuster deal with Hannafin, uh, Noah Hannafin for uh, Teach Me How to Dougie, Dougie Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a changing trade for the franchise. And when you look at it, you go, okay, here's this guy we drafted. Wouldn't it be awesome if we get him back? Because Calgary's going was is going through this big changeover. Vancouver ends up paying a ransom to get him. But there's obviously some fans out there going, well, man, all we need is the guy that we drafted back, which of course is one of Jim Rutherford's favorite things to do in the world. Yes, it and is. Now that he's uh, you know, in charge of the Vancouver Canucks and has done an amazing job. You know, this is a team that was nowhere near the playoffs and now all of a sudden has the best record in the Western Conference. So I thought uh, Aho after the game saying, and these are two teams. These are two really good teams mm-hmm. going back and forth. And, and they played the way that we want to play in the first period and, and for stretches of the second period. And then you saw in the third period, we played the way that we wanted. We got to our game finally, but obviously it wasn't enough. So Lindholm scoring twice obviously has those people who like to apply Occam's razor to. We'll see. The obvious answer is the answer. Just go get the guy. Go get but, that guy. You know, uh, that's not the way it was going to work out for the Hurricanes. So we'll see what happens with Vancouver, too. You know, three to two again on a bad bounce. So I don't think Kachekov wasn't Kachekov wasn't Kachikov. great. Yeah, well, well uh, we, have to de- we have to determine is it Kachekov when he's good and Kachekov right. when he's bad? Is it Kachekov when he's good, Kachekov when he's bad? Kachekov when he's bad. So. Okay, just double check I mean, on that one. You know, it wasn't, I, yeah, again, I, three to two tight game, two teams playing a certain style. I thought it was. I thought it was good hockey. It's certainly good hockey for February. Yeah. And I think that's probably my takeaway. I watched the highlights this morning because again, I was in Chapel Hill last night, but I think the two actually have a commonality, right? That there are nights like this that are going to happen and there's no reason to freak out or whatever it is. I mean, it's a game in February. It doesn't speak to any larger issues. And what we kind of know about the Canes are what we know about the Canes at this point, right? They kind of are what they are. Like you said, their first period was kind of slow. Their third period was classic Canes. Sometimes it's going to work out for you. Sometimes it's not. And of course, goaltending continues to be the most important aspect for the Carolina Hurricanes. And that's the thing that I'm going to be looking for going the rest of the, you know, rest of the season after the break, getting the goaltending into whatever form they want it to be. And I know that this is feels like they're signaling to us in our conversations that that's the position they would be willing to make a change for as opposed to a Lindholm or a yes. big acquisition like that. Cause they just don't think that person's going to come in, but at the same time, and immediately make a, the kind of impact that you would want at the same time, there is the, what is the cost to bring somebody in? That's not necessarily playing out of their mind. That is such a huge upgrade over somebody like Kochekov. to me going forward is you put the trusted Kochekov the rest of the way with hoping that Freddie Anderson can get back into game shape and ready for the playoffs. But again, there's still some time for that to happen. We're still, not even we're, we're exactly a month away from the trade deadline. A lot can happen between now and then. So there was big TV news yesterday, Joe. Oh, I need you to explain this to me, buddy. There's a lot going on here. And it's funny because when this was all happening yesterday afternoon, my timeline was blown up. Like, can somebody please explain this? Like I'm five. With what's going on. I think I just texted you. I don't know. You, yeah. You, you texted me at 1230 last night and I, I wanted to joke with you. Do you not see my tweets? I've been tweeting about it all night. Anyway, 
So here are the basics of what was announced yesterday. This is not a report. This was announced by the various broadcast groups, including Disney ESPN. ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers, which includes Turner Sports. That would be TNT, TBS, True TV, Bleacher Report. You know, they have that stuff on the Mac service and everything else. They're going to launch their own independent streaming service. It's a joint venture that they're going to run as their own thing. The basics here are that all properties from ABC, ESPN, Fox, TNT, and TBS, and the various other ancillary parts of Turner will be included. That also includes things like ACC Network, SEC Network, Big Ten Network, Fox Sports 1, etc. It does not include CBS and NBC. They've got their own thing going on. They got Paramount Plus. They got Peacock, Peacock right? Okay. So this is not going to be a one-stop shop for all things this is not NFL. like a Hulu YouTube. Oh, and you're thinking NFL. Okay. Well, NFL matters here because sure. remember, CBS has their own NFL package. NBC has their own NFL package. That's what the big story of the year was the fact that they put a playoff game on Peacock, right? So that's separate from this. Those two entities are not included. Why they're not included, I'm sure we'll find out why. Well, down the line. Why? Because... ESPN is Disney is well, ABC. I'm going to I'm I'm going to get to that cuz I do think there's a commonality between ESPN Fox and Warner Brothers and why they're the ones that are pulling this together. But to also get through the basics here, it does not include the regional sports network, right? So like we were talking about the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes are not included in this. Bally's not included in this. That's their own separate thing. There's a separate conversation why we can have the about NHL Amazon. just take that over. And- well, they might. That's the thing. They might. Because of all the regional stuff that's going on, and Amazon might be interested in this as well. So we don't know the price either. There's a lot of speculation on the price. It's not going to be cheap. No, it's not. I, the people who have been in my mentions, like, oh, I'll pay twenty to thirty bucks. <laughs> it might start at thirty okay. bucks, now but it's ask, not going to end at thirty. Let bucks. me ask you a question. Yeah, are these entities going to offer their channels to Hulu, YouTube, all the other things we're already getting them there, or is this going to be the only way? I can get these channels. No. So this is essentially if you've already signed up for Hulu live, like I have, right? Nothing changes. Okay. Nothing changes. This isn't like the WWE no. trying to go all out on no. their own or HBO. Going what do you out on use? YouTube TV? No, I use Hulu. Okay. So if you have Hulu live for essentially to replace cable yeah. and you have all these channels, nothing changes. You're still going to pay $90 okay. a month or whatever it is. So for now what is, without ads. what is my incentive to get this well, extra if, network? If you don't give a crap about the rest of the stuff and you only care about sports so and you're looking at saving money, that's why you would. So the price this. point needs to be lower than the Hulu or YouTube offering. So my, my working theory on this is that we're about to enter into a level of tears for television, right? Because my first read when I saw this news is that things like Hulu and YouTube TV have gotten so expensive that it defeats the purpose of replacing sure. cable. Remember the whole reason why these services came up and why people flocked to them is because they used to be 40 bucks. It's like 230 bucks for my cable bill. Right. Yeah. yeah. It used to be X amount for your cable bill. Hulu comes in at $40 a month with ads, without ads. I think it was like 45 bucks a month, but now it's up to $95 a month. And between 70, I pay $70 for AT&T. Thanks OG media. Right. for for AT&T fiber internet in combination with that $95 a month, we're creeping back up into cable territory, right? So I think they're going to give you tiers going forward. You want no sports? No sports. Here's your tier. 
You want all sports. Here's your tier. You want everything. You want everything? They're going to movie movie theater popcorn that thing, aren't they? What does this sound like to you, Joe? Cable. Oh, weird. Man, shout out to the tech bros, man. They they reinvented cable. I mean, look, everything was getting so out of hand with the various streaming services. And all these companies found out the hard way that going on your own is super, super expensive to create the content, yeah. number one. So it used to be Disney would make their shows. They would then license them out to Netflix. And then that's how they'd make their money. But they thought, well, wait a minute. Let's cut out the middleman. Let's have our own service. We'll give you all the Star Wars, all the Marvel, all our Disney shows, right? And they found out, oh, shit, man, this is expensive. The other issue that these services are all dealing with, Max, Disney Plus, all that stuff, is customer churn. This is something about OG Media that we are learning. Congratulations to you. You just referred to them as Max. You're the first person in the history of the world to refer to them. I know. It it took a while (laughs) to get me there. You know what the most expensive thing for us is here to do what we do? No, I do not. It's not the pot. It's not the platform us to get a podcast platform. It's not any sort, you know, stream yard. That's not it. It's not the equipment. That's a one-time sunk cost. The most expensive thing for us is customer acquisition, audience acquisition. And like, I need people to know we exist. Mm-hmm. I need people to know we exist and then get them on the hook and get them to stick with us. That costs dollars. That costs marketing dollars. And that in the form of these streaming services comes in the form of new content all the damn time to prevent churn. Netflix just has everything. And of all the streaming services that exist, Netflix is the one that ultimately won because they have very, very little customer churn. And you've seen a, you've seen a lot of these companies started to sell their stuff back to Netflix, right? So that's, that's something to keep in mind as to why we're here. And the thing that, so Mike, let me ask you this in a sports context. Yeah. What does it mean that ESPN and Fox are being friendly? Uh, this I, comes after I'm glad you know, the, you brought, the, the I'm, conferences that are run by ESPN yes. and Fox suddenly decided to find religion with themselves. I'm glad you brought that up okay. because all these broadcasters have another thing in common other than the churn. They're all inventory sports and they're all inventory sports with new deals coming up. So with the cable erosion happening and remember, I'm a broken record here. Yep. Cable. And the sports rights fees ballooned because everybody was taking massive just drinks from the well of money that was subsidizing them. A hose. Yes. I mean, really. A fire hose. It's really what it was. It was the cable bundle in 110 million homes. 20% of those people maybe cared about sports. The 80% were subsidizing it. People who never watched ESPN. And I've been calling this for a decade. That eventually that was going to go away. I feel like longer, but probably longer, 15 years now that this was eventually going to go away and there was going to be a reckoning for the leagues and the broadcasters and there was going to be a correction. And we're seeing that correction right now. So everybody's freaking out and they don't know what to do. So that's what all these have in common. Fox and ESPN or Disney have a lot of bills due to keep their inventory sports going. So they're looking for a way to pull the stuff together and make money that way. It's more revenue generation. I was reading a report, I think it was a business insider that was highlighting how every entity will have a different distribution of revenue. It's almost like the ACC in the college football playoff, right? So like Disney, SMU, right? Love you mean it. Fox could be the SMU here, but it's free. Exactly. So those are things to keep an eye on. 
And that that's that's why we're here, man. It's the erosion of of cable. But I do think there's some other things that are going on here in that while it has the I know everybody's making a big deal about how this is going to completely transform television, because I think everybody understands that sports has been the thing that has kept traditional television alive. Yes. And now you are seeing these broadcasters go, well, I mean, hell, Roger Goodell had his commissioner's forum this week and he was asked about streaming services and things like that. And he said, we got to fish where the fish are, which is why he's been putting stuff on these streaming services. He was asked about the Super Bowl eventually going streaming. And he said, not while I'm here, but of course things change. One other note about this, which, which I find interesting. This has the potential to completely wreck the talking head industry. Like, I, I believe that the talking head apocalypse is finally about to happen. Are you talking about us? Or are you talking about no, like the shows happened. that are on? Yeah, it already happened to us. Sure. Okay, I'm talking about the Pat McAfee's, the Stephen A. Smith's, the Mike Greenberg's. If you're going to pay 50 bucks, 60 bucks for the streaming service, you're paying for it because you want to watch, watch the games. The games, okay? The reason why the big personalities at these various networks make the money that they make gets back to what I was talking about with cable. They were drunk with money. And in order to keep people, you know, you have to fill out the programming on your linear network somehow. So somebody had to be, you had to have something on at the gym. You had to have something on at the airport bar, right? So that's how you got to this point where Stephen A. Smith and the like are making all this money. Well, we've already seen them cutting back on personalities. This is the big one. I really think this is the big one. Uh, at the very least, you're never going to see a deal like Stephen A. Smith got again. You're never going to see a deal that Mike Greenberg got again. Pat McAfee will likely go back to his YouTube licensing, whatever, at whatever rate it's going to be. But I do think this is the beginning of whenever this launches a couple of years from now, those big contracts, they're going away. It's all about saving money, man. And when you realize that for the most part, the reason why people watch the ACC network or the SEC network or the Big Ten network, it is not for the stuff that runs from one o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock in the evening. It's not the Big Ten biography? No, no, it's not. So by the way, speaking of the ACC, I don't know what kind of footing the ACC is on here too, right? Because if it's all just under one big jumble, oh, that's the other thing too. If it's all under one big joint venture, well, what's to stop these companies from saying we only have one NBA pregame set. What's to stop them from only having one NFL pregame? That makes a lot more sense for them. The NBA in particular, I think NFL too. Like, I don't know if you've tried to watch some of these pregames. I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally watch. Whew, I'll occasionally watch. I'll occasionally watch. Anyway, that's just something that happened over yesterday. I, I Hopefully I explained it the best I could. Uh, but the key part, if you take anything away from this, it's that if you are a Hulu subscriber, a YouTube subscriber, and you pay for everything, nothing changes okay. for you. If you don't give a damn about anything on Hulu and YouTube other than the sports, that's why you're on those services. You might be able to save at best 40 bucks a month. But hey, 40 bucks is 40, 40 bucks, bucks, right? It's a cup of coffees. Exactly. Big thanks to Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out, myhtr.com. Speaking of, of money, saving money, incentives, right? That's how they got you in on these bundling deals earlier, these incentives. Well, incentives apply to new homes, Joe. Yeah, getting into that new construction. I see it every day, driving into town, all over the place. Best way to get there, go to Hometown Realty, which is myhtr.com. 
Com. Six locations from here to the coast. More than 250 agents. They are the experts that can help you before the frenzy hits. And they can help you buy, sell, and calculate at myhtr.com. You got a house. You hang outside. You got your patio. You got your front porch. All that fun stuff. It's going to get warmer. You want to enjoy it? Well, use Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority to make sure you enjoy it. Mosquito Authority to keep the critters out when you're trying to enjoy the outside. Pest Authority on the inside. That moisture barrier. You buy that house. You want to make sure that everything's all good moisture barrier goes a long way. So head on over to bugsbite.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, CBS College Sports, Ion College Basketball is the podcast. He is Matt Norlander. Matt, what up, man? Fellas, it's a pleasure to... Uh, this is my first guest hit on uh, on the Reform show. So it's great to be back with you, Ovius, Joe. Great to see you. I, I was just on with you and uh, Stephen Hartzell. And what I thought was funny is, and we, we talked about the ACC and the state of the ACC and why people seem to have knives out for the ACC in college basketball. And I think my favorite takeaway was people thought that I was like coming at you and I had to remind them, that's just how Matt and I talk. Uh, is that, was that one of the takeaways there? Yeah. I, okay. I, I brought you on. So this is, uh, I, I co-host the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, but I also, uh, every January through March, I have a Learfield IMG show with Stephen Hartzell, uh, which is similar but different. And I wanted to bring Joe on so that he could stand up for the ACC. So uh, that was the whole point of, of bringing you <laughs> Known <laughs> ACC apologist, yeah, Joe Obvious. Known ACC apologist, <laughs> exactly. just as Jim Phillips. <laughs> we, yeah. I think we, and we can roll here, set me up however you want. I think we agree more than people might think that we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, my I question to you to lay out your case. Yes. The, the, my question to you to have you come on to our podcast. My question to you is, why does it appear mm-hmm. that folks are taking enjoyment in the ACC being down? That people like to go out of their way anytime there's a discussion about the ACC. There's a oh, and by the way, they're not as good as they once was. Yeah. Okay. So I. I obviously don't feel this way. Um, I definitely wrote about it. I think last season or this season before I definitely wrote the, um, Hey, look around. I mean, this is not the ACC. This is not your older brother's ACC. This is definitely not your dad's ACC. And this certainly not your grandfather's ACC uh, because that is a newsworthy development and worth writing about. And it's undeniable. I think both of you would agree that the ACC of the past five or so seasons is definitely not what the ACC was in the two thousands, let alone the, 60s through the 90s. We can all agree on this, I would hope. Do you agree, Joe? Uh, 19 was the last year of the ACC. That was okay. that was the death. Well, I can't I can't agree with that because we did have a, kind of a memorable Final Four rendezvous between two of the ACC schools. But I, I get the point all the same. Yeah, that was the Zion Williamson, Kobe White. You know what? Virginia won the... Still yes. had Roy. Yeah, this, Roy was K. still there. Right. All, yeah, those, I mean, all those kinds was, of things. All right. So I, I use that as, as prelude to say... Um, I don't see now I'm not as I'm more nationally focused, but that being said, like I pay attention to the ACC. I talk to the coaches. I write about the schools. I'm, I'm dialed in on, on the games, uh, but I am not picking up. My radar is not picking up on as much of the um, uh, satisfaction. It feels like you guys are getting at, at, at the, uh, at the downfall or the degradation of the ACC as a basketball entity, particularly in men's basketball there. Uh, but I do, what I do think is, is tied to this. And we got into this a little bit on our other chat is, is the reverence that was held for the ACC for decades. And now 
by the mere fact that it doesn't have the outright depth in the conference. It's just, it's something that I think people are, are taking stock of and noticing that the Big East, which has been able to uh, significantly re- remake its image. I know OVS has thoughts on this in general as it pertains to the Big East and media. I get all that, but it is, un- is undeniable that Villanova won the championships. UConn has now won a championship. It, is re- it has remade itself. And teams like Creighton consistently being ranked as as we go along here. Now, Patino with St. John's. We'll see if they can get to the tournament near one. There are just a lot of things about the Big East where that conference could have really kind of withered and been kind of on the outskirts. It's not been that. It has it has operated as a top four conference for a good five, six years now. Um, and when you contrast that against the ACC, which just like, can we get, will Wake get into the tournament? Like Wake hasn't been there. NC State is not, is not consistent. You don't have, and then the other part of this, and I, Joe and I talked about this, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this plenty on your show. It is undeniable um, that the conference just does not have, and this shouldn't be the reason it is, but it just is, guys. The conference does not have marketable head coaches right now. Like Tony Bennett, I consider, I have never stepped off my, Tony Bennett is a like top five coach in the sport. I have never stepped off this period. But the, but the man, God love him, is not seeking a microphone to talk into, okay? He will do it when he is required by the terms of his, of his employment. Yeah. Other than that, not a self-promoter. Forbes is an incredible quote. And if Wake Forest were to get to a point where it was ranked on a weekly basis, then we'd really have something there with Forbes. But as you guys well know, like all the legends have basically left. Larinaga is like a borderline Hall of Famer. Um, but he's still, he doesn't quite, even though they made the Final Four, he just doesn't quite break through. So I think because of how men's college basketball gets a lot of its attention. And that is through the quotes and personalities of its head coaches and the ACC now going through a real transition phase here. I think that is also impacting in addition to, and I know I'm going along, but I'm trying to give you everything I got here. In addition to the fact that like Notre Dame, historically a great brand has been down. Louisville has become a catastrophe and an embarrassment and is going yeah. to be through another head coaching change. These are major factors. Like if you want the ACC to be regarded as like a top three league outside of the actual results, you need schools like Louisville to be relevant for the right reasons and not relevant for being historically awful. You just said a lot. The one thing I heard that's interesting, and it's not, I'm not, I'm not picking on you here. You're giving Creighton credit for doing something they haven't done, by the way. What? But Miami, Laranega goes last year mm-hmm. and has now done it with two different teams. And it was almost like, well, you know, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. arguing with your central well, point. He is. Like, like, yeah, that's interesting that's, how you hear. I think he is a Hall of Famer. You can't take James Matt. I mean, uh, George Mason in Miami for the final four and not be in the hall of fame. It's brands, but that's what it is. Like Creighton, like what has Creighton actually done? Being a major consistent program to operating as like a top four school in a high major conference. And that's something that like maybe three other schools can ever claim. Oh, this is actually, we're now getting into something though. Okay. And I hate to do this to you. No, please, please. No, I feel like national people and you're a national person. And I hate it when people, local people, whatever. National people love what you just said. Chris Mack at Xavier, Sean Miller at Xavier, mm-hmm. guys who consistently do something. In my opinion, Chris Mack never won jack shit. In my opinion, Sean Miller, awesome dude. Great. I'm glad you won at Arizona. If you can't get to the final four and win the national championship, which is what the standard here is here in the ACC at Carolina and Duke specifically, what are we doing? But you guys nationally have this idea of, well, Creighton, 
Ah, that's awesome. They're in this, you know, shitty town in Nebraska and they figured out how to have a relevant basketball program. They will find you. It's <laughs> fine. You got to tell for NC State fans, wait until the pre well, Nebraska finds you. It's fine, man. It's fine. But I'm just saying, like, it's what I'm more so getting at is the worldview that you guys have, the national view that you have compared to how we kind of view college basketball. That that's where I'm getting it. Uh, other than the straight. I, I guess, but you might be, you might be barking up the wrong tree in terms of um, like it, making the final four shouldn't dictate. Like I'm, I'm very anti using the NCAA tournament to validate the credentials of a coach or a program. I understand that broadly speaking, so much attention is paid to the tournament and that's the double-edged sword of the tournament is that mm -hmm. it's like, what have you done here? Yeah. But you know, 98% of the energy or 95% of the energy that goes into making a successful season comes outside of what happens in one, two, three, four games in, in, in a March tournament there that I don't, I just don't hold programs to this stature. Like, and you're talking to the guy who wrote, the column on Jim Laranega last year that laid out why he has a hall of fame career. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think Laranega has done like he, there is no one that has Laranega's parallel. Yeah. No one. He, he is the best coach at two programs to take a final four. No one's ever done it in the history of men's college basketball. So mm -hmm. um, I would put him in. I say he's borderline because I'm not convinced he will actually ever get in there. I think what, what Joe and I are getting at in the conversations that you and I have had, we see this with football. And there's been a college footballification to college basketball in that the right programs have to win in order for your conference to get credit, right? When we were talking on the College Sports Now podcast, you had mentioned, you know, what happens if like Alabama and Georgia fall off a little bit and things like that? Well, I think we have enough evidence to know that they're still going to get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, Texas, right? The right brand. Mm -hmm. Texas is constantly being there are excuses to include them. Notre Dame is in the same boat excuses to include them in these types of things. And if the college football playoff committee were to do an NCAA tournament committee of 16, you'd see a lot of the similar programs, the liked programs, the brands and everything else, which is the beauty of the NCAA tournament. We don't have any of that crap. So the difference I guess that I have with you is I do put more on the NCAA tournament, even though it's a random chaos generator, Right. Because it is the purest form of competition. Beat who's in front of you, fight your way to get here, and then we can just let the chips fall, right? Whereas with college football, it's all about, well, I have all these things that tell me why this team is better than the other team, and we're just going to go ahead and put them in that position without mm -hmm. ever having them play each other. And I feel like we do that oftentimes with the metrics now. And I, I mentioned this to you, and I'll, I'll repeat it. It's impossible to watch all these basketball games. Impossible. Correct. So you do what good columnists and reporters like you do. You use all the tools available to you. You have all the metrics. You contact the coaches. You're constantly on the phone, constantly talking to people to get a good idea of where everything is. But even then, it's still hard to determine who is good and who is bad because I think we can all agree that, and I know, Joe, you've mentioned this, the differences between teams four and 84 are not as great as you want to make them out to be. They're just not. And Clemson last night, which has been a big part of our conversation today, you know, Clemson's come up close, man. They've come up real close to some wins that could have helped them in the conference, but we've seen their overall resume kind of funny, right? They got wins over Alabama. They got wins over South Carolina, which is good. 
They got that win last night in Chapel Hill. I mean, that's that should put them in the NCAA tournament. They're easily in the NCAA tournament right now. But if the people look, but people are going to point to the conference slate as well. Look at their conference record. I'm like, yeah, but they also got good wins too, right? You guys know this, um, but I will repeat this because it might even, uh, if if anyone that's, you know, come along and started watching college hoops in the past couple of years, I guess it doesn't hurt to occasionally mention this. Your conference affiliation and your conference record are completely irrelevant. They do not come up in the committee room. I can, I can guarantee you. That the selection committee will not start talking about Clemson where it should be seated and it is comfortably in the field and say, ah, that's ACC team. League's kind of down this year. Like, if the, we got them on the sixth line. Maybe they're closer to eight. That just won't happen. It just yeah. doesn't. The way it works, and I've done this mock exercise, it just, the way the, the way the process works out when you're starting to sort teams and you've got all these people that are voting, it just doesn't happen that way. Clemson's easily safely in the tournament. We've talked about this. We agree. I We even ran a poll on uh, the Wednesday episode of Ion College Basketball about how many teams the ACC is going to get in. Uh, it's, a, it's a lock for four. I think it's probably going to be five. Six is on the table, but it's going to have to break the right way. The question is where these teams wind up getting seated. UNC is going to be, I think, a two. Um, the loss against Clemson is a little is a little weird, but maybe it's just a blip. And I love what Baycott said afterward, like just not willing, not being afraid to speak on the record there. Duke, uh, we'll see. Duke, I could see as good as a three and as low as like a six. Clemson right now, I think is like a six seed when you look at it. I know it's like, again, this speaks to conference record. It's sub 500 in the ACC. That does not matter. Look at its resume compared to everyone else. Clemson is safely in. Virginia obviously has played its way into the field. And now Wake Forest has a real claim. Although Wake Forest needs to get a couple more high value wins to uh, to make that happen. After that, you get into this like, okay, is, is someone, is, is State, is, uh, you know, Miami, uh, Virginia Tech. Are these teams going to be able to poke through? I don't know. But four is a lock. Is for, uh, a lock. And I do not use the term lock lightly. I think it is a lock to get four in. I think five is the most uh, reasonable and um, and likely scenario. So we agree on this. I think in terms of the, uh, the quality of the ACC this season, I think we agree for the most part. And I will disagree with you guys on, I not, not greatly disagree. I I will disagree with you on um, to a certain extent, how the ACC is discussed and perceived. Uh, I would, I think, and, I've heard Ovia say these kinds of things before. It is actually better for the business of college basketball media if the ACC in general just happens to be really, really good. Like it's not a, it's not a good thing. It's not a fun thing when you've got the likes of Syracuse now twisting in the wind and Louisville and Notre Dame, um, NC State, man. You know how awesome, you know how excited I would be to have like an NC state team that was genuinely like in the mix to get a three seat. So I could go down, uh, go down, see you guys in Raleigh it, mm-hmm. and write a feature on NC state. I'd love to do that. It just, it's, it's just still not happening. But in the context of this season, uh, I think the ACC is just fine. And it's got uh, one genuine NCAA title contender. I've said since the preseason, I don't think Duke is, it matches that criteria specifically, but it's got UNC there. And I think we will look up in the sweet 16 and minimally I think you'll have at least one team from the league uh, represented. And it wouldn't shock me whatsoever if there are at least two. Uh, look, man, I agree with you that everybody understands that the ACC being good or the key teams, the brands that we mentioned being good is healthy for college basketball. But you can't sit here and tell me that you don't see the trolling, Matt. I, that's different. That's different. I'm, uh, but I'm saying it's not across the board. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying across the board throughout, you know, college hoops media that we're all like, I don't think you can point to one instance with me particularly. No, 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 no. no. But I'm just saying like, there's a reason why we talk that don't do that. That's all. Yeah. No, let me put it this way. There's a reason why we talk. Okay. (laughs) 
That's that. I don't want to. I don't want to bring the trolls on. Is what Wait, I'm getting. You at. don't all have a group text with with Chris Mack and the Miller brothers and what? I can't just no. Make that's the other sweeping generalization. That's the other outlet. All right, Matt Norlander, CBS Ion College Basketball is the podcast. We appreciate your time, man. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. You heard the piano, Joe. Can only mean one thing. It's time to get out of here on some Hey Joe questions. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the YouTube comments are popping. Uh, we're just going to focus on a broken out YouTube video that I had put out about Cam Newton being right about Brock Purdy and that it's driving NFL media insane. Mm-hmm. That what Cam Newton had to say wasn't outlandish. Not in the least bit. I mean, clearly, as Kyle Shanahan confirmed this week, Brock Purdy wasn't the chosen one. They wanted to go to the original chosen one at one point with Tom Brady, right? I ain't recanting shit, I believe, is my new favorite. Yeah, so Brock Purdy can't be all that in a bag of chips if Kyle Shanahan was still pursuing Tom Brady at one point in time, despite the fact that Brock Purdy, that's who I would be most upset at, not Cam Newton. I'd be upset at Kyle Shanahan. You like you wanted to bring old busted Tom Brady in? Brock Purdy had a better season than Tom Brady's last season. But I digress. From Cool Dude one one seven three. No, Cam Newton makes you guys stupid. Cool. From Ryan, you bozos Ooh. need to take up collecting Star Wars memorabilia or Pokemon cards. I prefer old pennants and stuff from dead teams. Thank you. And Nintendo uh, from Jordan, lose RB one, lose YR one LT, any team name a QB who loses all that and wins. I'll wait. Mm. I mean, we gave you examples. Cam Newton will be another forgotten MVP in 15 years. Purdy will go down as a legend. <laughs> Whoa. I did not see that coming. Uh, this is from L fat L eighteen sixty four. I see why mm. nobody watches this podcast. Just L takes. All right. <laughs> He's far more than one key difference than Jimmy Garoppolo. He is just better. Plain, period, simple, period. You know what? I will give Chad Don 7685 credit on this one. And that, yes, I might have been a little too flippant about what Brock Purdy's better at than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not just the legs. Brock Purdy will actually throw the damn ball downfield. So you're right. That is true. From Sticks Squad, these guys are complete idiots and obviously never watched a Niner game all year. True. Maybe no, no. It's the NFL. They're on all. The t- they're on TV all the time. Uh, you guys do know that Debo was out of the Green Bay playoff game in the first quarter, and you can tell the game was supposed to revolve around him with Debo in it. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Okay, yeah, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, from Max Oblivion, game manager is a silly concept. What does a game manager have to do with being the best player on the team? Stupid. You folks just don't understand that no QB wins games without talent around him. Brady threw the ball. He didn't catch it. Run it or kick it. Lamar Jackson did. Are you talking to us about? I don't know. I think sometimes when people get on YouTube. All right, here it is. I've already jinxed this thing enough times, so I'm going to put it out there for you. What's you, that? You clip this and you say, "Okay, what? What did you just pull up? Do me a favor, Joe. Yeah, read the date of when that bet was placed. Uh, September seventh, twenty twenty three, at nine fifteen at night. 
I'm just, I'm shocked you were awake at 915. That's, that's <laughs> actually the biggest thing that I learned here. No, the, the bet was placed August 31st. Oh, August 30. Yeah. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. So August 31st, 2023 at 240 in the afternoon. That makes a lot more sense. Better. There you go. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah. This was my preseason pick. Okay. So it's a wrap. So what, but just because Brock Purdy is what we believe what Cam Newton is saying doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean we don't know football. Brock Purdy has a very specific role to play that works when all of those other pieces around him are excellent, including the coach Mm -hmm. who's excellent by the way. But what do we know? I don't know. I mean, I already jinxed him. I mean, <laughs> freaking Kelsey's going to Mahomes is going to make me eat it on Sunday anyway, but there it is, man. August 31st. Don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for today's show. We will see you for a sleek fleet. OG live tomorrow afternoon on YouTube, two o'clock. See you then. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.